Hello and welcome to The Adventures of Superman from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, with Superman unaware of the trouble that is brewing in Metropolis... An ominous scene takes place between a man named John Mason and his son, Ralph. Look here, Ralphie. Did I understand you to say your Uncle George shot Jim Olsen? That's right, Dad. He hid in the balcony of the armory, and now he's going after Howard Jones. Uh, What? Yeah. We saw Howard come out of the armory and get on a bus, and Uncle George jumped in his car with his rifle and went after him. He said he wouldn't miss Howard this time. That crazy fool. How long ago was this, Ralphie? I guess... Let's see. About half an hour ago. Oh... It's too late to stop him, then. I'm afraid that boy, Howard Jones, is done for by now. You know, gang, the Potawatomi Indians, who originally lived in Chicago, which is now known as Chicago, used to say that the first white man to settle at Chicago was a dark man. By that they meant Jean-Baptiste Pointe-de-Cible, a French-speaking Negro, who made the first permanent settlement on land that would one day become the great city of Chicago. Sometime around 1790, Pointe-de-Cible built a frontier home consisting of a bakehouse, smokehouse, poultry house, and dairy, a workshop and a horse mill, a barn and two stables. Here, for 16 years, he lived with his Indian wife, Catherine, his daughter, Suzanne, and his son, Jean-Baptiste. Here, the Potawatomi Indians came to trade, and the English and French stopped to rest and stock up on food and water. Built in the midst of the prairie, this pioneer's lone settlement stood on the frontier like a challenge to the wilderness, a symbol of civilization to come. For the rough log cabins were to grow into the giant skyscrapers of Chicago. The little workshop was to expand into the factories that thunder and roar in the city. The canoes, stopping at the tiny settlement, gave glimpses of the future, of the caravan of trains and ships that today bring food and wealth to Chicago. Yes, gang, Pointe-Sable was a true pioneer of civilization. He was a daring frontiersman who beat a trail through the wilderness, a trail that millions were to follow. He was the father of the city these men and women were to build. Chicago, the giant metropolis of the Midwest, whose people of many races and religions have made it one of the greatest cities in the world. And now, the adventures of Superman. Admitting he was in trouble, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen asked Clark Kent, who, unknown to all, is Superman to accompany him to the armory where the Unity House track team, of which Jimmy is manager, was competing against several other playground teams. There, at the crack of the starter's gun, Jimmy fell to the ground, struck by a bullet. Fortunately, he was only slightly wounded, but he was unable to be questioned. 
So Kent grilled young Howard Jones, a member of the Unity House team, who Jimmy had said had knowledge of his trouble. Howard, obviously terrified, denied that he knew anything. But he blurted... The, the bullet that got Jim was meant... It was meant for me. Refusing to say more, Howard left the armory and got on a bus to go home. Unaware that the man who had shot Jimmy was trailing the bus in his car, a rifle by his side. Now in the armory, Kent has sought out Claude Thorne, Metropolis University track coach, who coaches the Unity House team in his spare time. Coach Thorne, was it you who called Jim Olson on the phone this afternoon? I, uh... Yes, it was, Kent. Well, may I ask what you phoned him about? I, uh, I'd rather not say. Now, please, don't be difficult, Coach. I think that phone call was tied up somehow with Jim's being shot today. How could that have anything to do with what happened today? I understand Jim was shot accidentally when a real bullet somehow got into the starter's gun. No, no, that isn't true. My guess is that somebody timed his shot to coincide with the starter's pistol. And Jim got the bullet intended for Howard Jones. Howard Jones? Oh, no. That's what Howard told me a few minutes ago. Howard must be mistaken. They wouldn't dare go that far. Who wouldn't dare? The... Yes? Look, Kent, if you're right about the shooting not being an accident... You take my word for it. Then perhaps I'd better tell you what I know. Now, we're getting someplace. Go on. A few days ago, a boy came to see me. He said his name was Ralph Mason, that he belonged to the Grove Street Playground track team, which was to compete against ours today. Well, after a few unimportant preliminary remarks, he had the nerve to say to me... Coach Thorne, I've come to tell you that we fellows down on Grove Street want you to kick Howard Jones and Bobby Lee off your team. Kick them off? Yes, sir. We won't run against them. Why? Afraid they'll beat you? No, but they're... Well, they're colored boys. Oh. Well, that's it. Yeah. We kids won't compete against colored kids. Ralph, you should be ashamed to talk like that. Makes you and your friends poor sports and bad Americans. But of course, if that's the way you feel, why, you go right ahead and withdraw from the track meet on Saturday. But we don't want to do that. Why can't you just throw Jones and Lee off the Unity House team? Nothing doing. They're two of my best runners. They made the team in fair competition. But they... They're different from us. Not at all. It's just that their skin's a different color. Isn't that so? Well, yeah... And... And that's all. Otherwise, they're just the same as you. Same number of eyes, ears, arms, legs, fingers, toes, everything. Now, what difference does it make if their skin is darker or lighter? You know, it makes a lot of difference to us. Not to me. My job is training boys to be good athletes and good Americans. They play hard and clean and obey the rules of the game and the laws of our country. That's all I ask of them. What did the boys say to that, Coach? Went away muttering that I'd be sorry. Oh? The next day, Howard and Bobby both told me Ralph had warned them not to compete on Saturday or something bad would happen to them. Oh, he threatened them, eh? Yes. Both boys then offered to resign from the team because they said they didn't want to cause us any trouble. The rest of us, that is. Naturally, I wouldn't hear them. Oh, naturally. Then Ralph went to see Jim Olson with the same story, and Jim told him to beat it or he'd knock his ears down. Good for Jim. Look, Coach... You saw this boy, Ralph. Do you think he would actually go so far as to try to shoot Jim? Frankly, no, Kent, I don't. And besides, I know he didn't fire that shot. Oh? How do you know? Because I saw him on the field at the time. Oh, I see. And there's something else. What's that? Ralph phoned me this morning. Asked me if I'd changed my mind about having Jones and Lee compete today. 
When I said I hadn't changed my mind, he said, okay, he'd warned me. And while we were talking, I distinctly heard another voice, a man's voice, telling him what to say. A man's voice, eh? Yes. That's why I called Jim. I told him if adult bigots or racial fanatics were mixed up in this, he might be in trouble. Oh, I see. Well, now I'm convinced Howard was right. That shot must have been meant for him. Why? Because I think a fanatic would go for him first, not for Jim. In that case, Howard may be in danger right now. You're right, Kent. What can we do? Look, do you know where Howard lives? No, I do. Wait a minute. Yes, his address is on the entry list. I've got it right here. Oh, good. Hurry, hurry. What is it? Uh, Here it is. 1059 Franklin Street. 1059 Franklin? Yeah, that's out near the city limits, I think. Yes, I know where it is. All right, so long, Coach. I'll see you later. Ah, this room is empty. Out of these clothes. Some rotten bigot tried to shoot Howard once today. He won't hesitate to try again. So I'd better hop out to his house in a hurry. As Superman. There we are. All set. I'll just raise this window. So. Now, up, up, and away! Leaping from a window of the armory into the evening sky, Superman streaks away, bound for Howard Jones' house. But he won't find Howard at home, because at this moment, the boy is in great peril. We'll be back in a moment to find out about it, so keep listening. One day last week, a boy walked carefully along the wooden plank, stretching across the plowed-up ground that had been broken for a new highway in downtown Brooklyn. It had been raining heavily, and thick, slippery mud lay beneath the planks, black and forbidding. The boy, moving cautiously along the planks, was afraid even to think how deep that mud might be. Suddenly, he felt the planks giving way beneath him. Desperately, he struggled for balance, and then the plank slid sideways, and he plunged into the deep mud. He screamed in terror as he felt himself sinking fast. His screams brought the workmen running to his aid. Tom D'Angelo threw himself on the planks and hooked his legs around them for support. He tried to pull the boy out, but it was impossible. Then Tom burrowed like a madman, trying to keep the boy's nose clear of the sodden sand. And by the time he had dug down deep enough to grab the boy's belt, another passerby came to his aid. This man grabbed hold of Tom so that he shouldn't fall in too. Still another man swung his arm around a lamppost and grabbed hold. Together, the three men pulled with all their strength and finally wrenched the boy free of the deadly mud. He was saved by a human chain. You know, boys and girls, almost everything that's wonderful in today's world, science, art, music, is the work of a human chain. Millions of people through the centuries have formed the links of this chain, a chain that builds skyscrapers, that plows fields, that makes and keeps the peace of the earth. Men and women of all colors, religions, and nationalities are part of its giant chain, each a vital link. When we all work together, the human chain becomes the greatest power for good that this world has ever known. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Proceeding along a dark, almost deserted street, a bus is approaching the city limits of Metropolis. Through the windows, only the occasional lights of a few scattered houses and stores show on the dark, littered, empty lots. The only passenger in the bus, young Howard Jones, has risen to his feet and stands up front near the door where the driver is talking with him. Say, the city playground championships are next Saturday, aren't they, Howard? That's right, Bill. Hey, if I can get off, I'll come up and see you run. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll be in the championship. <laughs> what? Are you kidding? After you set a new record and a 220 tonight? Well... 
Ah, you're a cinch to win a 220 next week, and a broad jump, too. Eh, so what's this about you not being in the championships? Well, you see, Bill, something happened tonight. Ah, like what? Well, Jim Olson, the manager of our team, was shot. He was almost killed. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I heard about that. They say a real bullet got into the starter's pistol by mistake. No, Bill, I think that was deliberate. What's more, I... Well, I think that bullet was meant for... For... What were you going to say? Oh, nothing, Bill. Say, that car is still following us. Huh? What car? Oh, oh, you mean that one behind us? Yeah, it's been following right behind us ever since we turned off the boulevard. Wonder why. Uh, no lights on the street, and the driver probably doesn't know the road, so he's letting me lead him. Uh, lots of cars do that at night. Oh. Well, here we are, Howard. <laughs> I see Hanson's getting ready to close the store. You better shake a leg if you want to get your dad's paper. Okay. Thanks, Bill. Uh, you're welcome. Go ahead, cross the street. I'll wait. Thanks. Good night, Bill. Good night. Oh, and don't forget, I'm coming up to see you win the city championships next week. Okay. <laughs> what the... That car. Howard! Howard, look out for that car! Oh, my gosh. He'll be killed. Howard! Look out! Shouting an alarm, the bus driver sits transfixed as he sees a small sedan traveling at high speed. Roar up from behind and bear down directly on Howard Jones. Wheel of the car, his pale eyes gleaming with hate, is George Mason, who once before today tried to take young Howard Jones' life and almost destroyed Jimmy Olsen instead. How will Superman, who is looking for the boy, save Howard Jones, whose only crime is the color of his skin? Don't miss tomorrow's dramatic episode, fellows and girls. There are thrills and surprises in store for you, so be sure to tune in. Same time, same station, for Chapter 4 of The Skin Game on... The Adventures of Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Captain Midnight, which follows in just a moment. And right after Captain Midnight, you will hear Tom X and his Ralston straight shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.